0: Welcome to Hedge Fund Tips with Tom Hayes. I'm Tom Hayes and this is your 130th video cast, 120th podcast for the week ending Thursday, April 14th, 2022 coming to you live from Tampa. We'll be back over the weekend, uh, but we're gonna keep this one shorter than normal, 45 minutes, gotta get back to the swim meets. Uh, So far, it's been an amazing trip. Uh, Quickly, the girls are racking up the medals, so that's positive. They racked up a bunch in Tampa, and they're picking up more uh, as we speak, so that's exciting, and we're gonna see that uh, award ceremony shortly. Uh, Then we've got uh, our little speed demon over here. Uh, We took a late afternoon after the market closed uh, Jet jet Ski Twirl. Uh, We got, um, uh, let's see here. By the way, the, the, when we got out there, uh, let her drive for a little while. She's got more of the speed bug than I do. She had the thing pinned at 51, uh, and, uh, b- and she likes to take hairpin turns, uh, which I took the skids on one of those, but uh, pretty exciting to see. Then we went to see the ta- – well, we, we actually saw the Lightning on Sunday. We didn't get any pictures from that. That was a great game. Lightning won 5-0. Uh, then we went to see the Rays on Monday night. Uh, and I was able to catch a foul ball for Mimi and Annabelle off a of bounce, not not straight away. Uh, we were uh, kind of behind the um, by behind home plate a little bit, between home plate and the um, and the visitors' bench. Uh, they fouled over the net because we're we're behind the net and then it bounced off the upper deck, bounced back down almost to the field, and I caught the big bounce, so that was exciting. Uh, not something you get to do uh, many times in one lifetime, So. Uh, we did that. They got some screen time on the Jumbotron. Uh, this was not like the Bolts. Uh, <laughs> the Rays got completely uh, blown out. But uh, it's, a, it's a nice indoor stadium, uh, and it was a good mix. And considering I'm a hockey fan, I didn't really mind watching the, the Rays get blown out uh, as long as the lightning uh, crushed them. And that's the story there. So let's get right down to it because we are shy on time today. Um, okay. Here we are. Uh, media, real quick, want to thank Bansari Kamdar for including me in her article. Uh, this was on the CPI print. You're seeing futures up because everyone came into the report expecting that inflation would be a lot higher than anticipated. What we're actually seeing is that core CPI came in slightly lower than expected, particularly on the month and month Uh, Core CPI, and that's a good thing because you really saw yields blowing out ahead of this event. This is a very positive report for stocks and particularly tech stocks, the long-duration equities which have been left for dead as the 10-year spike. This may be a short-term spike in yields, and it may be a great opportunity to get uh, exposure to tech as it finally starts to get bid once again along with bonds. And I think that's going to be the case in coming weeks in fits and starts. Um, Moving on to... The quote of the week from Peter Lynch, my idea of a great business is one that has a shortage of competitors. Uh, That could also translate into first mover that has a moat around share. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in the context of China stocks and uh, how they come out of these COVID shutdowns and the big will get bigger. Uh, This was an interesting article from Dividend Growth Investor uh, that I thought was really interesting. 99% of Warren Buffett's wealth came after age 56. As a matter of fact, you look at um, at age 44 he was only worth 19 million dollars and it shows uh, the effect of compounding uh, over time and how that snowball gets bigger and bigger which was the name of the book written about him called snowball you may want to read that if you haven't yet but um, it just goes to show you a steady pace. And for people that get shaken out with headlines and short-term noise and uh, give up quality businesses to other people who are uh, stronger hands at the wrong time, you don't get these type of uh, results or anything close to them. But for those who know what quality is and do their homework, the compounding works to your effect if you have patience. And uh, that, that's mind-boggling when you think he was only worth $19 million uh, at my age and uh, what he's been able to do. Uh, over the subsequent subsequent periods and don't forget he's given away half Uh, so uh, people always talk about Musk being the wealthiest man in the world he probably is uh, on paper but um, Buffett created something like no one else okay uh, Goldman Sachs investors unusually fearful ahead of earnings so there's a lot of fear in the market um that's a good thing we're going to talk about sentiment in in this week's article uh ups upgrades tech to overweight this came out yesterday that's actually i think going to prove to be a very prescient call urges investors to focus on software and services uh this is from keith parker software and services i i think uh, my bent is towards value tech we've talked about it in recent weeks I think if you're doing software and services, they have to be cash flow generative companies. It can't be companies that were 30 times sales and now at 15 times sales. That's probably not going to work moving forward. So you have to be selective. And we're actually going to talk about that because pessimism is now at 2008 great financial crisis levels, uh, which was a buy everything signal. Uh, we're at that same level of pessimism. It's not a buy everything signal in my view based on where we are, but there are pockets of the market and sectors and stocks that we've talked about, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about today that uh, are at generational buy opportunities in our opinion, not advice, go to hedgefundtips.com, uh, click on terms and, uh, and do your own homework. So um, moving right along, uh, air travel is, uh, is going very, very strong. Um, so long, cheap pandemic travel buckle up for sky-high airfares, supply and demand, economics 101. JetBlue just got upgraded, not because someone likes the Spirit offer, because the price got too low. These are opportunities. EasyJet. Uh, summer bookings above 2019 levels. This is great. There was a, a Ask Me Anything question a few weeks ago on this, and I said, everything airlines. I like the higher quality U.S. ones, uh, but um, but EasyJet will, and, and all of them will be beneficiaries. And the derivative play, which we've been talking about, are the engine manufacturers, the servicers around the world, uh, and uh, some defense companies that overlap in both with the uh, pickup and defense spending uh, that's going to be persisting in, in coming uh, in the coming decade uh delta same thing delta stock surges after narrower than expected loss big revenue beat the tsa numbers uh you know obviously crushing 2020 but uh double last year and uh you can't see the now you can uh 2.0 versus 2.3 pre-pandemic 2.1 versus 2.4, 2.2 versus 2.4, 1.9 versus 2.0, 2.3 versus 2.5, 2.2 versus... So we're basically at 90%, and that's SANS uh, business travel, which is starting to come back. Moving right along, emerging market stocks with a host of tailwinds are poised to outperform U.S. equities. I couldn't agree more with this analysis. This is a chart from Bank of America Global Investment Strategy. Uh, And it shows that uh, largest inflow into emerging market equities in 10 weeks uh, was this week. And um, uh, the other thing that's interesting about that is, um, obviously, as we know, China is the biggest weight by far of the emerging markets indexes. Uh, This look shows the current price-to-book levels are near 20-year lows versus the U.S. for emerging markets. That divergence usually gets uh, resolved rather quickly, just as you saw from 2000 to 2005. And I think we're moving into a similar period. Um, And that's that. Moving right along, Alibaba stock is getting hit by China's latest COVID outbreak. Four reasons for optimism from Jack Denton over at Barron's. Um, Number one... Okay, uh, a team led by Mark Hafiel, chief investment officer at UBS Global Wealth Management, cites policy support from Beijing as a key booster for Chinese equities. Chinese government said in March it would work to support the com- country's stock market and clear up a punishing regulatory environment, including uncertainties about Chinese companies listed in. U.S. top officials in the China State Council this week said they would use monetary policy tools and consider other measures to boost consumption. That should help Alibaba, which relies on consumer spending. We continue to expect one reserve requirement ratio cut together with a policy rate cut as soon as this month with greater spending and tax and fee cuts on the fiscal side, said Hafeel's team in a report. Moreover, proactive capital management provides a key catalyst, said the team at UBS. Alibaba is among the leaders in increasing share buybacks, recently moving to institute one of the largest share repurchase programs in Chinese tech sector history. The company still has some $16 billion in stock to buy back. This is a direct mechanism to increase enhance shareholder returns and showcase management's beliefs that current valuations are attractive. History suggests that share buybacks could buoy sentiments sentiment for a few months as they may offer an immediately boost immediate boost to earnings and book value. Uh, on the nuts and bolts of the business, the company is in early innings of a fundamental turning, ter- turnaround for its consumer management revenue, a core source of pro- uh, profit. CMR refers to sales of services such as advertising to merchants on its platform. Uh, uh, despite regulatory d- despite the risk the company face, Alibaba stock is cheap in numerical terms. 12.5 times this year's expected earnings, 10% discount to peer. The whole sector remains beaten down in terms of valuations. Uh, at the current valuation, the market seems to have written off the value of Alibaba's key assets, i.e. the cloud, logistics, international and local services, said Jiang. We believe the risk reward is sustainably, substantially positively biased for long term investors. We couldn't agree more. Uh, China starts approving video game licenses again. If you recall, 2018, this was the cause of their uh, uh, crash uh, for the last regulatory crackdown, it was part of this regulatory crackdown they 've now relented, and they started uh, they approved forty five game licenses uh, this week, so it just shows that is the about face uh, Hong Kong, Hong Kong stocks rebound from four week low on ten cent rally as China ends gaming freeze. This is a big deal. This was a key part of the crackdown. They got rid of that. Uh, Coronavirus Shanghai declares 7,565 areas low risk, easing lockdowns in selected zones as symptomatic cases dip after six rounds of tests um so this is positive the zero covid has been a complete disaster because they have no immunity but we are seeing that despite cases surging and uh doing similar to what we saw with omicron in january which eventually rolls over they have no immunity so it's hit them harder uh but uh they are uh easing that up and i think people are underestimating because just as The market is panicking, the government is panicking, and they're pushing out monster stimulus during these shutdowns, which once these cities reopen, Number one, we're going to see an abrupt rebound uh, in the consumer and in the economy, number one. And number two, uh, after you get your monster uh, uh, reflection in the stock market ahead of the China National Congress, I think next next year they're going to have to deal with a, abrupt inflation. But for now, uh, they're just trying to salvage everything ahead of the China National Congress despite the shutdowns. Uh, and those are getting uh, eased as we speak. Uh, China's securities watchdog renews call that firms buy back their own shares, ask major shareholders to support stock prices amid sluggish stock market. The regulator suggested it will also look at stock and bond issue plans favorably to help fund buybacks. (laughs) So the uh, regulator also basically they're saying issue as much debt as you want. Buy back your own stocks. We need to boost this market before November for the China National Congress uh, uh, political transition. Regulator also wants Social Security funds, pension funds, trust, insurance company, and wealth management institutions to increase investment in capital markets. So we're gonna shut down cities and shut off the economy. You better buy the stocks uh, or, or else. And in China, or else means something entirely different than it does in, in the democratic world. Uh, so bilibili do you rise in U.S. as China ends video game freeze? We covered that. This is from <clears throat> China last night. The guy who runs the KWEB ETF, uh, he noted this last night. Fairly quiet news front as Shanghai grapples with its COVID lockdown. Uh, with 1,189 new cases reported, which depressed sentiment. Mainland investors are getting a bit antsy about definitive policy response, which we know is coming after the close. The State Council released a statement, including Premier Lee, that, quote, policy measures to promote consumption, end quote, should be deployed. Automobiles and household appliances should be, quote, encouraged, while, quote, supporting new uh, energy vehicle consumption. Banks should be, quote, encouraged. To lend to small, medium enterprises, the release mentions a, quote, reserve requirement ratio reduction, which would mean the PBOC cutting the number of deposits they hold on the books, which is freed up for lending. There's clearly an effort taking place to keep logistics and food supply going despite uh, the challenges with the shutdown, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, So that's that. China steps up stimulus with infrastructure bond sales quota. Allowance for this year has been fully allocated to regions. Infrastructure key is boosting growth amid housing woes. Uh, China's government granted providen- provinces their full allocation of special bonds to be used for in- infrastructure investment. It's a, a sign it's stepping up stimulus to boost an economy overshadowed by a worsening COVID outbreak. We will waste, quote, we will waste no time to match the newly granted quota with eligible projects. Deputy Finance Manager Zhu Hongkai said at a be- briefing in Beijing on Tuesday, we will ensure that special bond proceeds will be used to drive up, drive up investment significantly. Guys, They're flooding the market with stimulus, and it's, it's not being reflected because of these short-term shutdowns, once this rolls over like Omicron did uh, and the previous variants, whatever they were called, Delta Omega, you know, they'll come up with a new one, I'm sure, before the end of the year, uh, then th- this is just going to fly. So uh, sure, you can dump it when things look bleak, uh, like the Daily Journal did, which we're going to talk a little bit about that, although it's not clear that they actually dumped their position. So we'll talk about two possibilities with that. Uh, China's goal in uh, COVID zero pursuit shifts amid Omicron outbreak. Um, Restrictions expected to ease once community spread is cut off, and we saw that. The CSI, um, uh, China's stock stormed back on bets of policy support and COVID shift. i.e. easing up on the uh, zero COVID and then um, the stimulus, which we discussed. Foreign purchases of Chinese stocks Tuesday were among the biggest of the year. Uh, You can see that here. So that's uh, moving in the right direction. The stimulus is being taken seriously. Uh, this is from South China Morning Post Zhu Lirong, Chief Investment Officer at Franklin Templeman, Sealand Fund Management based in Shanghai said policy easing has begun he 's still bullish on the outlook over the next three years. Uh, investors are more bearish than last year. The correction seen in big names has been bigger than the index. He said in a phone interview when, it, when investors are too bearish, it signals the market is bottoming out. We agree. China promises to cut reserve requirement ratio when needed to boost the economy, Economy that policy moves to happen at the appropriate time. State council are uh, reductions often made within days of such cabinet comments. So we could expect it as early as this week, if not early next week, uh, which would be uh, also constructive. You couple that with some type of uh, lockdown easing and you're off to the races. So um, this is uh, put out last night. The. Um, Bank of America Global Fund Manager Survey, as you can see, global pessimism, growth pessimism is the lowest ever implying lower net equity allocation. It's the lowest since uh, December of 2000, October and December of 2008, which was a generational buying opportunity. Uh, this is a survey of uh, two, almost 300 managers this month uh, from April 1st through the 7th with $833 billion under management. Um The uh, expectation shifted a little bit now from last month um, in that managers are now expecting 7.4 rate hikes in this tightening cycle, um, which would end in early 2023. Uh, Investors also expect lower CPI, similar to in November 2008 when growth expectations were low. So there are a lot of similarities and there are pockets in the market that are trading at um, great financial crisis type lows, uh, back to pandemic lows that uh, we think are tremendous opportunities. And um, profit expectations, again, back to October 2008 levels, generational buying opportunity, um, stagflation risks uh, elevated. I think that's going to prove to be Uh, Similar to 2011, which shares another comparison in that managers are the most overweight commodities since February of 2011, Uh, right at the same time they were expecting the stagflation. I think, uh, number one, that was the point at which uh, commodities peaked in that cycle and started to roll over, and number two, uh, so did expectations around stagflation. Uh, The uh, tightening cycle is expected to conclude first half of 2023, which we covered. Global growth optimism at all time lows. We covered this is just a different um, measure in terms of uh, expecting stronger economy versus global profit expectations. And the positioning, this is this is probably of of critical importance. Uh, We're seeing a mass rush into cash and commodities and a complete exodus from bonds, which we'll talk about uh, and we started to talk about last week. This is the table that showed the highest overweight of commodities since February 2011. As we get into the article of the week, we'll address that. Most crowded trades are now long oil and commodities and short U.S. treasuries. Um, There's also a short China coming on. We want to take the other side of that. It's so basically, what they're doing is they're buying what's already up and they're selling what's already down, uh, right? Right near the inflections, uh, and um, opinion follows trend. Biggest risk: twenty-six percent glo- uh, global recession, hawkish central banks, and um, and that's that's the uh, the survey. Now moving on to the article of the week: peak everything stock market and sentiment results. The theme of this week is peak. Everything, peak inflation, peak yields, peak commodities, possibly peak margins, peak growth, peak cash, and most importantly, peak pessimism. Uh, after Tuesday's core CPI number came in below expectations, consensus started to come around to the idea that inflation may finally be peaking. Uh, here's the number, is expected to come in at half a percent month on month. It came in at 0.3%. Year on year, it expected to come in at 66 That's X food and energy. Uh, it came in at 6.5. So, um, so so you can see this visually, how it's rolling over. The base effects we discussed in recent podcast video cash should start to be felt in earnest in coming months. This simply means that prices had accelerated meaningfully in late spring of last year, and the comps will get easier and easier. This does not mean prices and wages will collapse overnight, but it is likely we're going to see the rate of change flatten aggressively in coming months, despite the Russia war, the China shutdowns, and their impact on commodities and the supply chain. Uh, God willing, we get a positive surprise on either front, and the impact could be more material and quicker. Uh, Interesting enough, as we look at the Russia-Ukraine war, um, I said when when it first broke out, that either it would get resolved with a negotiated settlement in relatively short order in weeks or months versus years, or uh, the market would just become uh, desensitized to it, uh, similar to Afghanistan. Obviously, the context is much different different than the Afghanistan war, but we've actually seen that happen. The market is really not paying attention to that anymore, not looking for a positive surprise, and that's sometimes uh, the instance that you get one. Uh, one key green shoot that came out of this report is that used car prices, which were a large contributor to CPI, are rolling over as expected. Uh, the administration's plan to release one million barrels a day for six months is starting to have a modest impact as are uh, China shutdowns on oil demand. Uh, also contributing to some relief in, on oil prices, which should be seen in future reports. But you can see this big negative 3.8 percent print uh in used car and trucks and then energy this is all um uh we've discussed that in past weeks now this week we did have the biggest build of crude inventories since october of 2021 so that is a very constructive thing to see and moving right along to gentlemen prefer blondes i mean bonds uh i uh I I married a a blonde and then she went back to her natural color brunette which is great and now she's back to blonde so uh, gentlemen prefer uh, gentle women I think is really what it comes down to hair color uh, can go any any which way uh, uh, but um, anyway uh, the this quote's attributed to uh, gentlemen prefer bonds is attributed to Andrew Mellon it's also. Kind of a reverse play because he preceded Marilyn Monroe. But uh, um, uh, okay, so he was an American banker, businessman, industrialist, philanthropist, art collector, politician. And he served, as uh, established a vast business empire before moving into politics. He served as United States Secretary of the Treasury from March 9th, 2021, the Roaring Twenties, through February 12th, 1932, presiding over the boom years and then the crash of 1929. What is not often recounted regarding this quote, gentlemen prefer blo- bonds, is that Mellon was not referring to all bonds, but rather tax-free bonds. He's widely remembered for seemingly favoring the wealthy over the middle and lower class by cutting taxes for high income earners. However, uh, the marginal tax rate at that time was 73% on the wealthy. So his rationality was that the wealthy were being taxed uh, too heavily and as a result they were investing the bulk of their money into tax-free bonds. If he cut the tax rate um they would uh, it would encourage high earners to move their savings from tax-exempt state state and local municipal bonds to taxable higher yield industrial stocks investing in equity of the company for growth of the economy, growth of jobs, growth of capital formation and I think that's what people miss when they try to tax capital is that capital finances. Uh, all of job growth and uh, wage growth and innovation and everything that makes uh, the standard of living go up uh, over time. So once the tax rates for the wealthy were reduced, the tax revenues to the country actually increased materially. Shocker, which was his plan all along. In in last week's article, we showed this chart of long bonds as represented by the ETF TLT coming up on that long-term trend line. We propose the idea that we may be approaching an inflection point where yields could stop accelerating upward and foreign bidders would step in at these levels to benefit from the relative yield play unfolding as the Fed stepped out of the market. The catalyst appears to have been the inflation prints this week. The 10-year yield finally appears to be retreating in recent sessions. We'll see if it persists. Um, now, moving right along to the uh, B of A survey want to drill down a little bit. Speaking of bonds, yesterday I put out this uh, Bank of America Global Fund Manager survey. One of the key charts that stood out was positioning as it relates to bonds. Managers have been panicking out of bonds into commodities and cash. As we always say, when the boat gets too crowded on one side, it's time to take the other side. Not only are we getting close to a turn in bonds, but we may be coming up on a peak in commodities in the near term. This chart gives us clues. Um, Managers are the most overweight commodities since February 2011. The peak was just eight weeks later. See the blue vertical line below for February 2011. So this is February 2011. Managers in this survey were uh, most overweight commodities in history at that point. Now they're most overweight again. uh, April 22nd. That was the overbought signal on this uh, Invesco uh, dbc which is a basket of commodities and we're uh, back to the future here so whether we get another couple more months as you can see the biggest move was in the rearview mirror the biggest move was in the rearview mirror uh you know so the here's the extreme sentiment in crowding that supports a similar reversal in coming months you can see long only is the most crowded trade now uh, long oil and commodities And uh, uh, which of the following assets will produce the best returns in 2022? Opinion follows trend. Everyone says oil. In 2020, no one said oil. So as was the case in 2011, the crowded positioning and euphoric outlook can persist a couple more months before rolling over, but why pick up the last few nickels in front of a steamroller? The time to quote crowd into energy was fall 2020. You can click on the article here when we were pounding the table, not today. We could revisit later in the year after a material pullback, but for now we sit on our hands and focus on brighter horizons. We look through the windshield to see where the puck may be going, not the rearview mirror where it has already gone. We are in now out of most energy stocks, except several natural gas names, which we believe are secular plays over the next few years. And we would add back oil on a material pullback in coming months if it shows up and it would have to be material. Another chart that stood out from the BOA survey was overall sentiment. Pessimism is now parallel to 2008 levels, which is a generational buy opportunity. I do not think that such low levels of sentiment represent the same buy everything opportunity of late 2008. But I do think there are several sectors and stocks that are generational buy opportunities at these levels, namely China tech and biotech. Unquestionably in our view, we've covered the, the theses behind those ad infinitum. As you can see above in the crowded trades, while everyone is crowding into the commodity trade after it is long into t- the tooth, they are shorting what is down and likely ready to recover, i.e. China and bonds. Now, Alibaba, Abhishek Veshne, a reporter from Bloomberg, reached out for my thoughts on China stocks and Alibaba this week. Here's what I sent him. China began aggressive fiscal stimulus and monetary easing in November of last year. It will be felt in the economy and seen in the numbers on a lag basis, usually six to nine months after commencement. The curveball this time is the zero COVID policy and lockdowns have offset the benefits of easing in the short term. As for China, China tech, this is a temporary situation and will likely result in the big getting bigger and the small being able to unweather the short term vicissitudes of a mercurial leadership posture. As this storm passes and COVID winds down in China, the biggest players will emerge with more share, more pricing power, and more strength. And that's going to be Alibaba and Tencent and and JD. As it relates to the temporary price weakness of Alibaba, Tencent, JD, etc., I would liken it to a rental property. If you are renting out a house with a $500,000 fair market value for $4,000 a month and it went vacant for a couple of months and had no income, would you take the first offer to sell that came along for $350,000? That is what sellers of Alibaba and Tencent are doing at these prices. We have had a year of temporary impairment of earning power due to government crackdowns, zero COVID policy stance, and tight monetary and fiscal policy up until last November. The government has reversed course on easing, nearly completed the crackdown, and are licensing the COVID pill from Pfizer to produce generically. This pill, when available, will be the end of zero COVID. Owners of these unreplaceable franchises, Alibaba and Tencent, who are, quote, selling in the hole due to temporary headwinds, are no different than a landlord who sells their property at a 40% discount to fair value because it temporarily went vacant for a few months. It makes no sense and it is a decision that will be deeply regretted a year out. Then, of course, when the reports Munger had sold half of his Alibaba position the AMA questions and DMs just rolled in. I uh, can't tell you how many of those. If you bought Alibaba, uh, so while it was an unpleasant surprise and we would have preferred to see Munger buying more shares versus, versus selling as we respect his uh, investing acumen, here's the number one thing you need to know about the Daily Journal and the Munger sale. Number, and here it is, quote, if you bought Alibaba because Charlie Munger bought Alibaba, you should sell your position. If you bought Alibaba because you did your own research and believe it's a generational buying opportunity at these levels in valuation, then the headline does not matter. As far as speculation on why the Daily Journal sold, it's a useless exercise. While insider buying in a stock can be a useful indicator as people only buy stock for one reason, that is they expect it to go up over time, they sell for a uh, a multitude of reasons that you will never know. The quantitative data over decades shows that insider buying can be indicative and insider selling has zero signal value. Now, as for my guess about what happened for entertainment purposes only, my take on the Daily Journal sale of half their Alibaba position this week, uh, not this week, actually it was in last quarter, which means they probably sold in the hole on that $75 down day. Either one, pressure from sale, shareholders to, to sell in the hole. Plus, fear over margin debt used to finance the position and its impact on corporate liquidity. And particularly with all the recession uh, noise coming out, the, the, the company was probably concerned they don't have a tremendous moat in their, in their underlying business. Um, um, well, that that's arguable because they have the lawsuit, uh, the legal filing business, etc. But they probably didn't want to be in debt going into a potential recession next year, number one. Uh, and we also saw at the annual meeting, the Daily Journal meeting, if you watched it, uh, some pushback in the questioning to Charlie during that meeting in the Q&A section. Uh, best guess, Charlie said, quote, You can sell it if you want to, but then I'm stepping down as chairman and he actually did step down as chairman. Uh, I don't know if it was coincident with the selling of half the stake or causal, but uh, the timing is, is interesting or it could just be that he's 99 years old. But leaving that aside, when people want out of a position... They don't sell 50%. They dump 100% of the position and take the loss, not 50%, which leads me to uh, guess number two. They started converting their eight US ADS BABA shares to Hong Kong 9988 shares, as we did months ago, to, to offset the delisting risk. They are not required to report foreign holdings in their US filings, so you would never know if they owned Hong Kong shares unless they verbally disclosed it. So it's not certain that they've sold half their position. They might have converted half of their position. Um, uh, and and we won't know unless they actually verbally uh, give give color on that. Um, the These two suggestions are for entertainment purposes only and have no bearing on our investment in Alibaba. The short-term headwinds of COVID shutdowns will ultimately be offset by the pig of Uh, Parentheses of stimulus working through the Python parentheses of the Chinese economy that began in October, November 2021. It's already showing up. But the pessimism is so thick that no one can see it yet. Underline capitalized yet. So uh, this week alone, we saw M2 money stock grew 9.7 percent year-on-year in China. New loans grew dramatically, expected to grow at 2.6 billion. It grew at 3.1 billion. Outstanding loan growth was up 11.4 percent year-on-year. And Chinese total social financing expected to come in at 3.7 versus the last print at 1.1 billion, it actually came in at. 4.6 billion, which is a 4x, uh, fourfold increase over. Uh, the last print. So if you think this stimulus is not going to uh, work its way through the system in relatively short order, you're missing the boat on this. You're just caught up in all the noise uh, of the short-term headwinds. Now, while the rest of the world is tightening policy, China is the only developed country that has been aggressively easing. As the shutdown ease, the impact of the policy will begin to show up meaningfully in the economy as we are now approaching six months since inception of the policy pivot. Now on to the short-term uh, view for the general market. Uh, this was unbelievable. The AAII survey, sentiment survey result collapsed to 15.8% bullish from 24% last week. This is the most pessimistic sentiment in the history of the survey. Bearish sentiment jumped to 48.4% from 414 Retail investors have never been more fearful in history. Uh, this is usually associated, anything in these levels is associated with bottoms. Uh so I like I look at this as an aggressive contrary indicator and that's how we're positioned The CNN Fear and Greed Index ticks down from 48 to 46. Sentiment is still cautious in the overall market. And the National Association of Active Investment Managers, this was up to 83.41 from 79. We'll get the newer print this afternoon. My guess is that it'll be a bit lower. They got a little spooked, uh, and they're still going to have to chase up to higher levels that they do uh, when it runs away from them. So that's that for the general Uh, outlook and uh, market commentary for this week i'm going to take a few questions but all of them were about munger uh pretty much uh so let's see this was from jt about munger we already covered uh this was about um Uh, Energy, so Ben asked about uh, is energy going to go up or down, which he asks every single week, and the answer is it could go up before it goes down, but the the juice is out of the trade. Would I short it? Absolutely not. Would I be a buyer if we get a meaningful uh, Trapdoor pull in coming months. Potentially, if it's if it's uh, pronounced as pronounced as I think it may be, uh, we would step in for over the next three three to five years. If you're asking should you short it, I think that's a dumb move. If you're asking should you uh, buy it uh, because it's going higher, I think the big move was already made. We bought in 2020. We sold in Q1 and uh, recent weeks of 2022. Uh, we took the middle, the big middle, out of the trade, and uh, if you want to catch the last few pennies, have at it, uh, Matt Mitchell. That's on the Munger thing. Um, uh, ben, first name only, is saying like, uh, why did uh, Chinese insiders sell before everyone else? Because that's China. I mean, that's look. I mean, it's not. <laughs> they don't have the same legal system. They don't have the same anti-corruption policies that we have. They're trying to do it at the margins, but it's China. You know what you're getting into, which is why you don't see me in small cap or mid cap China stocks. I mean, I'm dealing with the ones where my bet is uh, if if uh, Alibaba or Tencent go down in a material way, the system goes down. And we saw that when they announced 20% layoffs, the government relented and cha- did an about-face on their policy. They thought they could beat the hell out of these companies and uh, and it wouldn't impact uh, their political power. But when you lay off 20% of the smartest people in the country that uh, have an education, they get pissed off. And, um, and uh, you know, there are 100 families that control the government over there, and they're not happy with Xi Jinping right now. And they could take... St- in, in It won't be potentially before November, but they could take steps to remove him, and they will take steps to remove him if he does not do an about-face and ret- return, the gov- return the country back to the growth that they've experienced over the last few decades uh, where prosperity and the future was bright. So they've taken nascent steps. They'll probably be okay by November because of all the stimulus they're pumping into the system, and as these shutdowns uh, release the things, will start to boom. But uh, but you know, look, they can they can take them out uh, very very quickly. Um, Now, uh, oh okay, Tom, I wanted to start by uh, thank. This is from uh, Antonio. I wanted to uh, Antonio Albo. Uh, Tom, I want to start by thanking you for all your work. I know this takes a lot of time between your TV presentations, managing a fund and a family. I know it can uh, you can't have a lot of time to do these videos week after week. So I'll thank you a second and third time. You're welcome and you're welcome and you're welcome. I've watched you since the beginning on YouTube and you only get better. My question is, what are your thoughts on buying puts on PennyMac Mac? Uh, loan origination and refinancing has been down significant and expected to continue. Most names have already dropped, but this one has held up uh, better compared to the others. I'm looking at $50 puts uh, for January 2024 for $11. Uh, thank you again. I, I don't like this trade, Antonio. I understand your reasoning, but I think a lot of that's priced in. Uh, and you have to consider you, this is not a normal cycle. This is 72 million millennials at age 30. So as rates go up, Prices will probably stop going up so aggressively in the next 12 to 18 months. That's basically what the Fed's trying to do is is get prices to stop going up on housing. Uh, And I think they'll succeed. The refinance business is going to be impaired. There's no question about that. But I think the origination business, if you look back to 2003 to 2006, they had already done multiple hikes in 2003, 2004, and the game was just getting started. Uh, in terms of origination volume. And I do believe that the origination volume is going to far exceed even the most uh, aggressive estimates uh, from the sell side. I think the volume is going to be monstrous for the next four years with 72 million millennials, bigger than the baby boomers, at average age 31, starting housing and family formation. This thing is, is the pig in the python. Uh, demographics have always drove the the, the, the demand bus. And uh, this time will be no different. So I would not be a short, uh, a short seller of Penny Mac. Would I be stepping in with two hands to buy it? No, uh, but, um, but I, I do want exposure to the originators here because I, I, I think this is going to be a, a five-year trend. Um, uh, ben asked more about energy. I've answered the energy thing not only uh, this week, but multiple times in re- previous weeks. Uh, REITs have been going up despite interest rates going up. What are your latest thoughts on REITs? Um, Well, I said about a month ago, well, we had the hike in March. So everyone was crowding into cyclicals. And I said, here's the quantitative data for the last three decades. The quantitative data shows that six months after the first rate hike of a tightening cycle, the top two performing sectors counterintuitively are REITs is number one and... um, uh, Tech is number two, and no one was positioned for that. So, um, you know, REITs, you got the dip on their interest rate fears. Now it's holding strong. I mean, I think they're, they're up. So I, I don't chase things up. That's just me. I chase things when they are out of favor and no one wants them. So, you know, part of the, the REIT trade. So, yeah, they're, they're not quite back at, at new highs. They're probably okay here, but that is the data. They tend to outperform in the six months after the first hike. Uh, real estate as a hedge, but there's so many better things to do. Why, you know, it's up 15 uh, percent off of its interest rate fear highs. So it dropped uh, from 16 to 96. You know, call it 20 percent uh, into the hike, You know, th- it was down 20 percent into the first rate hike. It's now up 15 percent uh, after the first rate hike. So yeah, it could push higher, and it probably will. But why are you buying things? You know. You do whatever you want to do. This is opinion, not advice. But buy things when no one wants them, not after they're already, you know, had relatively decent sized moves and you're just chasing momentum, It is my view. Now, if you're a day trader, maybe your philosophy differs. But uh, for me, I, I like to buy things when they're on sale, when no one wants it. And I'm willing to wait. Time is my hedge if I know the quality of the asset that I'm buying. So look, with that said, this has been a wonderful call. Thanks, guys. We'll be back. Next week in uh, Connecticut and New York, uh, uh, back to normal, probably a, a bit longer videocast podcast. But uh, I think we crammed a lot of really valuable and timely information in a short period of time. Thanks for listening in as always. Until next week, make it a great one. Bye for now.